All right, open your Bibles tonight to Proverbs chapter 19. It's so interesting to me how things uh, work out or come together or whatever today. I, for whatever reason, I wasn't feeling real well and I was over at the office, so I went back uh, over to the house and uh, laid down just a little bit and um, got up and... Uh, the, Anyway, when I did walk through the living room, the TV was on and happened to be uh, the Dr. Phil show. And uh, this particular segment, in fact, they I didn't watch all of them, but they had, uh, I think, about probably four one-hour sessions of, of these families in what was called the Dr. Phil Brat House and uh, had families there with the children that were literally brats. I mean, talking about totally out of control. And I knew that uh, this was going to be the message tonight here in uh, in, in uh, Proverbs. And so I sat down just a minute to kind of see what was going on. This one kid who was, uh, I don't know, I'm going to guess maybe 13 years old. And actually... Uh, Intelligent beyond his years, you could tell, but totally out of control. This kid had serious problems. And uh, so he and his mother are going back and forth at it. They're sitting there, and uh, they're, they're by themselves in a room there, and they're discussing the issue, if you want to call it that. And he is screaming and yelling, pitching his is fit and what have you. And all of a sudden he tells her, shut up and smacks her right upside the head with the open hand, just slapped his mother, you know. And, uh, of course, uh, don't you dare raise your hand to me. I mean, you know, but I thought to myself, you know, if I'd been a kid of mine, they'd been picking themselves up out of the floor. And I I know that maybe sounds harsh, but... Uh, my, my my kids knew one thing, you know, they could, might get by with something a little bit with me, but they didn't get by with anything disrespecting their mother because that's the one thing I absolutely would not tolerate. Uh, uh, I won't go into detail about some of the... Uh, I've had to apologize a couple of times uh, afterwards, but they got the message. Now, I'm saying all that for a reason. This is a very important subject that we're dealing with here tonight. Verse number 18, Proverbs 19, verse 18. We stopped at verse 17 last week, verse 18 tonight. Chasten thy son while there is hope, and let not thy soul spare for his crying. Now, I want you to notice three things tonight about this verse, and we'll not get very far in the chapter tonight, maybe a couple of other verses, we'll see. But I want you to notice three things about this verse. First of all, the subject that's discussed. He says, chasten thy son. And as you as you know, uh, the subject of chastisement is probably the last thing it, that children want to hear about. I mean, I just can't imagine our young people, you know, going to school and saying to their friends, hey, man, you just got to come to our church next Sunday and listen to our pastor. 
kids, and I know that there's an argument to be made for that, that it is punishment of a sort, but the purpose behind it and the actual meaning of the word is correction. We are correcting them. And let me tell you right now, other than Christ, there's never been a child that did not need correcting. Uh, old, uh, John R. Rice's brother, a big, tall, lanky fella, uh, he was all, Bill Rice was a preacher, and he said, I'll give you a good rule of, for spanking your kids. Do it once a week, and if you don't know what it's for, they'll know. And that's, <laughs> that's about right, you know, because, uh, that's something every kid needs. Proverbs twenty-two fifteen says, Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. You see, this is telling us, as the word indicates, it's for the purpose of purifying, not for the sake of punishment. We're not trying to hurt the child. We're trying to help the child. And sometimes in helping the child, what we do hurts, but it does not injure them. So please understand that, you know, if it doesn't hurt, and we'll get to that in just a little bit, if it doesn't hurt, it probably not going to be of any help. But you don't do something to injure your child. I can remember uh, one day with Jason, and and, and I will say that uh, Jason overall was a really good kid, but there was something happened, and man, I, I whipped, whipped him with my belt, and, and and he showed me his legs. He said he got whips. He said, Dad, the coach is going to see this at school, and and he said, I don't know what to do. He said, they, they don't like that, and I said, well, you just tell him your dad gave you a spanking. Well, I'm going to tell you the honest truth. I just expected any time that day to get a phone call. But uh, but listen, I am not going to stop obeying God in order to obey the court of the land, whatever the consequences are. I owe it to God and owe it to, to my kids to do what the Bible says. I know we live in a day where there's a lot of people, including Dr. Phil, that is against spanking, that we should never spank a child. Well, I tell you what, if God will take it out of the Bible, I'll take it out of my teaching. It very clearly speaks about spankings. It speaks about using the rod of correction. And, uh, and, and by the way, I, I think that's, you know, I think that's important because I think we ought to use something as the Bible indicates other than our hand. I've got to confess there have been times I spank my kids with my hand until I begin to realize I think that it's for a reason God tells us to use an instrument in order to chastise them because it, you know, there's something about it that disassociates it with you actually using your hand against them. Now, contrary to what anybody thinks, and now, by the way, if the Bible tells you to, that you ought to spank your kids and you don't, now, now, keep in mind, the same people that say that you shouldn't spank your kids, there are better ways to correct kids. Those same people that would criticize me don't have any qualms at all about disobeying the Bible when the Bible tells them to do so. That, that, that's what the Bible says, folks. I, I can't help it. That's what it says. Proverbs chapter number 13 and verse number 24 he says, He that spareth his rod hateth his son, 
And he that loveth him chasteneth him be times, which means early. You see, somebody says, well, I just love my kids too much to spank them. Well, you've got it backwards. Chastisement is an expression of your love and your concern for them. It's showing them that you care. And, uh, you know, contrary to what a lot of people think, it's there's no evidence that uh, that you're expressing love when you refuse to spank your kids. I can't tell you how many different people I've heard with my own ears say, I never had parents that cared enough about me to spank me when I was wrong. I've heard that. Listen, those kids, even though they're not going to come out and tell you, they need to know that you have their best interest at heart. They need to know that you care enough about them that you're not going to let them do something stupid and foolish without taking some kind of action. And believe me, there's a lot of parents, you know, it's just like as long as you stay out of my way and leave me alone, it's kind of do whatever you want to do. And there you just turn them loose out on the street. And that that's that's horrible. It's certainly no sign of love. The best commentary on chastisement, of course, is over in the book of Hebrews, where actually it's talking about God. But there's an application to be made here where it speaks about uh, us disciplining our children. Hebrews chapter number 12, and uh, we'll begin in verse 6. It says, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. You got that? Whom he loves, he chasteneth, and he scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as sons, For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if he be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh, which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? Now notice this carefully. For they verily... For a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that uh, we might be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Now notice here, here's the key. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Notice the words, now and afterward. In other words, it's not pleasant now, and the child doesn't appreciate it now. They might not even understand it now, but afterward, they'll reap the benefit of having a parent that cares enough about them that they will spank them. And and by the way, when I talk about spanking them, surely everybody here understands that I'm not talking about injuring your child in some way whatsoever. You should never do that. But by the same token, you shouldn't ignore your responsibility to correct them when they're wrong. And let me say this. If you can correct them and get the job done some other way, have at it. That's fine, too. But, uh, you know, we've raised eight kids, and we haven't had a one yet that could be corrected in every instance by just talking to them. 
uh, there were times that every single one of them needed a whipping in order to get the message. And I suspect that probably it's the same way with your kids too. Now, this subject's going to come up again and again and again as we go through the book of Proverbs. And so we'll talk about it in more detail. But for now, I just want to say that's the subject of this verse. Now, look at the seriousness of this verse. He says, notice, Jason, thy son, while there is hope. Now, I don't know how that phrase uh, affects you, but boy, it's an eye-opener for me. The implication is that there comes a time when there's no hope of correcting our children. In other words, a time when all of our efforts and all of our tears and all of our prayers and everything will be in vain. We better do it while there is hope. Educators say that 85% of a child's personality is determined by the age of six. I know some, you know, have said five and others say six, and I don't know exactly. I'm no expert at that. But I do know beyond a shadow of a doubt that it's in those formative years of their life, that the first five, six, seven years of their life, that so much about their life is being determined. It's kind of like, you know, the Catholics have always said, you know, you give us your child they're five or six years old and they'll never be anything but a Catholic. And, you know, as sad as it is, there's some truth to that because they realize that if you can get to them early, and, and it's like a fellow I used to work with, uh, I worked for a consultant engineer firm, and we'd fly out to different jobs and, and, uh, Tom was a strong Catholic. In fact, he had gone to a Catholic college up there in Ohio and uh, Xavier. And uh, so, at, you know, at night we'd sit around in the motel room and I'd talk to him about the Lord. And and I'd take the Bible and show him and get on some subject. I'd say, okay, now is this, look here, isn't this what the Bible says? Yeah, that's what it says. And and, and he said, but but that's not what I believe. And I said, but wait a minute, you say you believe the Bible and this is what the Bible says, right? I, here, I'm going to read it again, I read it again. That's what the Bible says, do you agree with that? Yeah, that's what it says, but I don't believe that. And I said, well, look, if what you believe is different than what the Bible says, then why don't you change what you believe? You know what his answer was? It's against my religion to change what I believe. How crazy is that? I mean, that, listen, that is crazy. And, and I'm telling you that, that it's in those early years of a child's life that, that they're so impressionable that, you know, that if, if we don't capitalize on that opportunity, it's going to be gone forever. The verse I read just a while ago, chapter 13, verse 24, it tells us, you know, that if we love our children, we'll, we'll chastise them. We hate them if we don't. But it ends up, it says, chasten thy children be times. That means early. We need to get an early start at it and, 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 and let them know just as soon as they can recognize right from wrong and, and, and in a gentle way at first and what have you, of letting them know that this is not acceptable behavior, that there are certain standards to live by, certain consequences uh, that if you don't. And they need to be taught that at a very early age. Uh, now notice 
and th this is the part that the young people just don't get. But this is the third thing I want you to notice. Not only the subject of the verse and the seriousness of it, but notice the strain that's on parents. It says, and let not thy soul spare for his crying. If you're a parent, I can almost guarantee you, that is, if you're a parent that spanks your children, I can almost guarantee you that at some time in your life you said to one of your kids, this is going to hurt me more than it does you, right? I've, I've said that, you know. Son, I don't want to do this. I tried to warn you. I told you. And now you have just, you know, you pushed it past the limit. And, I, and I'm, I, I'm going to have to spank you. And, and it hurts me to have to do that. Uh, the kids don't believe that. But, but if you're a parent, you know there's a lot of truth to that. I'm telling you, there are times that I would have rather taken a beating myself than to spank my kids. Uh, you, it, just, it just tears your heart out. And, and by the way, there's got to be something sick in the mind of a parent that takes delight in whipping their kids. I mean, I, I don't know how anybody could enjoy doing something like that uh, because... Uh, naturally, chastisement is designed to, to be painful in order to get their attention. Uh, but there's something here I don't want you to miss. And notice he says, let not thy soul spare for his crying. You know, that tells me something. It tells me if you've got to spank your kid, do a good job. Do a good job. I remember when I was a boy and... and uh, and, and mom, she, she nearly always, she went out and got a little limb off the tree, ripped that limb off that tree, and and she'd whip me with it. And uh, But finally, you know, I got old enough and big enough that I, I clenched my teeth and I'd stand there and I'd tighten up and, and, and just let that poor woman beat on me all she wanted, and she couldn't make me cry. But boy, I knew when Daddy got home and he took that, he wore one of those ranger belts. You know what it is? Got the little flap on the end. It's a Texas-style belt, not a big buckle, but it's the ranger belt. And that's what he wore all of his life. And he got home and he took that off. Uh, <laughs> the tears began to flow because it hurt. And... Uh, and notice he says, let not thy soul spare for his crying. A spanking ought to be something that's remembered. And I think tears ought to be expected, you know, and uh, it just irritates me to know in all of this, all of this shushing and pecking stuff, you know, just. And I'm here, here you got some big kid that's 10 or 12 years old and, and a parent just pecking at him, you know. I'm, you want a spanking? <laughs> well, they probably don't, but if they need it, stop pecking at them and get something and spank them a wooden spoon or a belt or something and give them the spanking they need and don't stop until they cry because they need to know that you need mean business. And you're not doing it because you hate them. You're not doing it because you want to hurt them. You're trying to help them and to teach them that there are consequences to bad behavior. That's a good thing, not a, not a bad thing. Well, you know, I, listen, I, I've been doing this long enough now that, you know, I know there's a good chance that there may be someone here tonight that doesn't agree with me, and that's all right. But like I said... 
you get God to take it out of the Bible and I'll take it out of my teaching. As long as it's in the Bible, I'm going to keep teaching it. And uh, I, God has it there for a reason, right? Verse 19, a man of great wrath shall suffer punishment. For if thou deliver him, yet thou must do it again. Now listen, there's no grammatical reason to connect this verse with the last one. Absolutely none. But whenever I look at this verse, just simple observation tells me that there must be a connection, and the connection is this, that is that undisciplined children often to grow up to become adults that are full of wrath. And by the way, we live in a world that's full of angry people. I, really, uh, everywhere you go is people angry about something. And uh, most of it can be traced right back to a failure in the home that those kids were never disciplined as they should be. I, I love it. I was watching... Uh, I, I, I can't remember. It was, it was on Facebook, I think, and there's a video clip. as a black woman, and this this boy had got out, you know, naturally as boys do. He was a teenage boy, and uh, he he'd got out with his buddies and done something wrong. And I'm telling you what, she grabbed him by the ear and marched him down the street, read that boy the right act. He didn't say one word back to his mama, and she corrected the situation right there on the spot. And I thought to myself, dear God, give us more mothers like that that will do something about it, you see. And, and we owe that to our children because notice what he says, a man of great wrath shall suffer punishment. You think about, we, listen, we can't build prisons fast enough today. It, 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 it's mind-boggling. I, I, I'm certain that none of us even begin to understand the seriousness of that situation. We literally can't. And you go to the courts and the dockets are so full, man, they're letting them go. I mean, we caught a guy stealing our air conditioner and had him caught red-handed and Dustin come over and identified with, uh, identified the guy and everything. And the cop got him at gunpoint and all of this, put him in handcuffs, throwed him in the car, called down to the DA, said, what do we do with this guy? And gave him, oh, we got to let him go on a 2B warrant. I said, what is a 2B, a warrant? He said, that's to be arrested in case he's ever stopped for anything. So what are you talking about? You've already got him. You've got witnesses. We lost an air conditioner. This house next to me, he's stealing the stuff out of that house. You caught him. You arrested him at gunpoint, and now you're going to let him go. He said, yeah, we'll probably never see him again. He lives up at Conroe, and you're going to let him go. I've got to. The DA won't take the case. It's absolutely amazing the situation that we're in today, and I'm telling you, most of it goes back to a lack of discipline in the home. And we need to let those kids know that there are severe consequences. And he says, notice here, that a man of great wrath shall suffer punishment. Now notice he says, for if thou deliver him, yet thou must do it again. The idea here is that there's, they never seem to learn. And if you deliver him, you get him out of this mess, you know, and you, 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 you try to encourage him. Look, you've got to stop this kind of behavior, da, da, da. 
you go down, you pay his fine or whatever it is, and and turn right around and you have to do it again. If thou deliver him, yet thou must do it again. They never learned their lesson. And uh, most of the crimes are by repeat offenders. Uh, literally, I was watching a cop show or something like that one day and they arrested this guy. No, no, what it was, this guy, this guy w- went into the police station and uh, turned himself in for something. They were not going to arrest him. He literally begins to tear up everything right there in the lobby and throw stuff and, I mean, pitching a fit because he wanted to be arrested. And so finally they said, you know, you're going to get your wish and put him in handcuffs and put him in jail. And one of the guys said in trying to explain that kind of behavior, he said it's easier to get drugs in here than it is out on the street. And he said, I'm a drug addict and I've got to have my fix and I can get it in here. I can't always get it out there. I don't know how to live on the outside. Brother Fred was a prison guard. He can, he can tell you about this stuff and the, the way that they think. And most of them, when they get out, they're going to be right back before long because they just don't get it and they don't get it because they had not been taught when they were children. Now, verse number 20 And I think you're going to see another connection here in just a minute. He says, hear counsel and receive instruction that thou mayest be wise in thy latter end. Now, evidently this is directed toward the younger folks, don't you think? Because notice it's talking about what they may become in the latter end. And he's telling them what they must do if they're going to be wise later in life. And, of course, wisdom is the thing that will deliver us from uh, a, a life of harm and punishment and so forth. And so it's easy to see then how this verse relates to the last verse and relates to the first verse that we considered tonight. A lack of discipline produces anger. Anger brings punishment. It brings pain. And the antidote is what? Wisdom. Wisdom teaches us to walk in the ways of the Lord instead of the ways of the flesh. And uh, by the way, we're not born with wisdom. That we, you know, we, children just don't naturally have wisdom. They're dumb as a rock. I mean, you've got to teach kids. Uh, you know, we we look at little newborn baby. We think, oh, they're just they're they're so sweet. That precious little angel. Let me tell you, they got more devil in them than they do angel, and they're not as sweet as you think they are. I'm telling you, they're born into this world speaking lies. The Bible says. You see, they've got that propensity to sin because of the nature that they receive. At birth, so they're not born with wisdom. That's something that they've got to learn. And notice the process that he speaks of here. He says, "Hear counsel." Now, I've underlined some key words here. That's important. The word "hear." Uh, you, you know, you can't get some people to listen. Period. And that's where it begins. Faith cometh by what? Hearing and hearing of the word of God. And he says, hear counsel. Then notice the next key word is receive. It's one thing to hear something. It's another thing to receive it. A lot of folks come to church every Sunday. They hear what I say, but they refuse to receive it. He says, hear counsel. He says, receive instruction that thou mayest be wise in thy latter end. 
Yeah, too many times teens are guilty of living for instant gratification. They can't see beyond today, and they don't realize that, uh, that tomorrow might be too late. And there's some, no doubt, that have it in their mind, you know, I'm going to sow my wild oats today, I'm going to enjoy life, it's eat, drink, and be merry, but I realize that I ought not to live this way, and, and one of these days I'm going to get my act together. And then I can live, you know, a productive and prosperous life. But it doesn't work that way because you are now becoming what you will be. You are now becoming what you will be. And if a person refuses instruction, they become, uh, to become wise. Whenever they're older, all of the wishing in the world is not going to help them. I, I jotted down in my Bible in the very margin of the Bible this little short poem somebody wrote. How often sin has blasted the life that once was pure, for once the seed was planted, the harvest day was sure. You see, we always reap what we sow, and we always reap more than we sow, and we always reap later than we sow. It doesn't happen right then. And there's so many times, you know, that people got in their idea, uh, got the idea in their mind that someday, you know, I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm going to change my lifestyle, but it'll be too late then. And it goes back to what he said, chasing your son while there is yet hope. And, and think about it. And, and no doubt you've seen this. And, and parents that have given up and just said, I, I, just, I don't have any hope. I'm at the end of my rope. I'm exhausted. I, I, I've just given up all hope. I, you, they just check out being a parent. I, I've had it up to here. Nothing I do helps. Let me tell you, we, listen, we can't wait till they're 16 years old and then start trying to, to be a good parent to them. It's got to start whenever they're young, and we've got to be consistent with it. You know, telling the kid, if you don't quit that, I'm going to spank you. And they'll say that 10 or 15 times, and the kid, they know you're not going to spank them. I mean, we lie to them over and over and over again. If you're going to do it, do it. And they need to understand that your word is law and that you're not going to tolerate that nonsense. Because believe me, they will, and I've always said, you know, a, a, a kid is a kid. Children are that way. They'll do anything they think they can get by with. They will, and they, they'll push the envelope just as far as they possibly can. So, well, i tell you what, I'm tempted to wrap it up there, but uh, let's go on to verse 21. There are many devices in a man's heart, and nevertheless the counsel of the Lord shall stand. Now, since he just got through telling us that we ought to listen to wise counsel, then I think it would be wise to include this verse in our study tonight. There are many devices. This is a contrast now between God and man, the creator and the creature. And this word devices speaks about our thoughts, our purposes, and our plans, which, which are, are, are many, of course. And then notice he draws a contrast between our thoughts, our purposes, and our plans with God's counsel. And Please remember this, it is immutable, it doesn't change. 
what was wrong way back then is still wrong today. God doesn't change the standard and to, in order to be politically correct. And, and so much of what we do today is based upon whether or not that, you know, society is willing to accept what we do. Uh, and, and we start conforming to the demands of society rather than the Word of God. Now, since the fall of man, man's, it's been this conflict between man's devices and God's counsel. They've, they've been at odds. And whenever, whenever it was, I guess Isaiah said, there's no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. They're like the troubled sea. And, and, and what a great picture that is of the unsaved world around us. They have no peace whatsoever because they're walking in a way that is contrary to the, to the ways of God. And, and there can't possibly be any peace. Uh, you know, you, you think about the certainty. We've been talking about reaping what we sow, right? And we almost always think about that in a negative way. And we should, but we also ought to think about that in a positive way. Just as we reap what we sow in that we're going to suffer as a result of our sins, we reap what we sow and we're going to be blessed as a result of our righteousness. So when we think about this contrast between our thoughts, our plans, our purposes, as opposed to God's counsel, we need to understand that the blessedness of doing His will far outweighs us having our own way. Notice he says his counsel, what? Shall stand. It shall stand. You, you know, a man and his thoughts are going to change from one day to the next. But God's counsel is going to stand. I think, let me sum this up with two verses of Scripture. One of them describes man's problems. It's in Jeremiah 10, 23, and it says, The way of man is not in himself. It's not in man that walketh to direct his steps. Think about that for a while. And I know I mentioned that verse a lot. If you've been around here very long, you've heard me mention that several times. The way of man is not in himself. It's not in, the, in man to know how to walk. In other words, we don't know how to direct our steps. We are always going to end up going the wrong way if we follow our own thoughts and purposes and plans. So that's the problem. And, and, and by the way, if you, if you don't believe that, you just think of Isaiah 53, 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone what? To his own way. That's how we got in this mess. Okay, if that's the problem, what's the answer? Well, the answer is Proverbs chapter 3 and verse number 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding. All of thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. That's the solution to the problem. Instead of following our own devices is for us to conform our life to the Word of God. Because, listen, God has designed His plan for us in such a way that it's for our own good, our own benefit. And that's why I keep saying God's will is not only right, it's best. It's best. And so we can all do ourselves a favor when we follow the teachings that God has given us in His Word. Well, I hope tonight something's been said that will be helpful to somebody, and Lord willing, while we'll pick up our study next week in the, 
in the next verse. Anyone have a comment, a question, or any? Brother John? flows out perfectly because when we were growing up and I know we all know our, of our generation we didn't even have to lock our doors yeah, exactly. but this was um, the, the people that we grew up in if we did something wrong at school we got they put a board <coughs> on us I mean they put marks That's on right. us and that was that was a sign of uh, I mean those coaches that, that was that was their that was a heat man contest with them that's how big a mark they put on you he didn't dare <laughs> let your dad find out back and he gonna put more marks. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's where our society was, and it mirrors what this Bible says. That's right. And you know what? We, we didn't even own a key to our house. Yeah. Didn't have to lock our house. Yeah, absolutely. So there is a connection. Yeah. To cause see that we used to be the Bible Belt. Yeah. And we lived in that, and it works. Yeah, amen. Amen. It does. It doesn't fail. All right. Anybody else? Any, any? Okay. All right. Let's all stand together and uh, we're going to be dismissed by prayer. Brother Fred Scott, if you would, sir, lead us in prayer. Pray tonight, Father, we're coming for you tonight, Lord. We pray the question for you today. We just thank you, Lord, for saving us. We thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for you and this church church members that we can gather together with and worship and worship you. Father, we ask that you bless us, continue to bless this church. Help us to hold up the banner, the standards that you have left for us. Help us, Lord, to cling to your wisdom, cling to your counsel, Lord, not to our own way. Forgive us more than faith. Help us, Lord, to do your will in our lives. We give you the praise in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen.